Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Let's pray together. Lord, how great thou art. Our souls collectively sing, praising, magnifying you, joining in with the choruses of angels in glory that we can't see right now that are very real, that are proclaiming your majesty even now. And so, Lord, we pray that with unified heart we would look to your word, that we would open our minds and our hearts to receive whatever it is you want to give us this morning. We know that you will meet each one of us right where we are. And so, Lord, we pray that through your word and by your spirit, you would transform us by the renewing of our minds, that when this service comes to an end, we would be more like Jesus. For it's in his precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. There is something about singing those songs within the context of the community of Christ that is just different and special, isn't it? I mean, you, you can sing them at home. You can sing Amazing Grace all by yourself. You can sing How Great Thou Art. You can... You can join in that chorus there by yourself. You can pull it up on YouTube. You can sing along with it. But when you're gathered together with the people of God and with one voice, you are resounding, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. There's something special, isn't it? You know, that's how God designed it. God designed the faith not to be something that is private. Is it personal? Of course, there's nothing more personal than your faith in Jesus Christ, but it is not private. And that's a key distinction. Now, God designed the faith to be lived out within the context of community. When the individuals who first trusted and followed Jesus decided to do so, they did so individually, and that's, that's where it has to start. It's the same today. I have to come to Jesus myself. Nobody else can make that decision for me. I don't come because my family has come, because my mother, my father, my grandmother, my grandfather, an aunt, an uncle, a friend, uh, an acquaintance. What I, I have to come to Jesus myself because I will stand before God in judgment myself. And either I will pay for my sin or Jesus will have paid for my sin. Those are the options. But it's so vitally important that once I come to Jesus, once I trust and follow Jesus, now I become a part of the community of Christ. That's what happened. You think about the first disciples. You think about Andrew and Simon, Philip and Nathaniel, James and John, Matthew the tax collector, Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, Judas Iscariot, Mary Magdalene, Joanna the wife of Chusa, Susanna. All those disciples individually decided to trust and follow Jesus, but then what happened? They were together. They were journeying together. They were serving the Lord together. They were growing together. They were encouraging one another. They were challenging one another. They were sharpening one another because the Bible says as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. After Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave and his ascension unto heaven, what did they do? Well, he told them to go to Jerusalem and wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible actually tells us how many people were there in Jerusalem. In the name of Jesus, there were 120 people gathered together. Were they scared? You bet they were scared. 
They were in the very city that had just crucified their Lord. But you know what? They were scared together. And have you ever been in a moment where you were scared together? Makes a big difference than being scared alone, doesn't it? But not only were they scared, they were trusting God together. So there were moments when one's faith would falter, but another's would be strong, and they would encourage one another. And I've told you before, they've done studies. Ten out of ten people need encouragement. And then the Holy Spirit came with power on the day of Pentecost, and Peter stood up. Peter, who, who couldn't even say the name of Jesus to a slave girl the night Jesus was being tried, Peter stands up in the midst of the city that crucified Jesus to the people who made the decision that Jesus should die, and he proclaims Christ. And he does so in the boldness of the Holy Spirit. And what happens? The Bible says that day, 3,000 people professed their faith in Jesus Christ by biblical baptism. They went into the mikvahs that were there in Jerusalem, and they professed Jesus Christ as Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then what did they do? They built life together. A couple Sundays ago, we looked at Acts 2, where it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all, <clears throat> pardon me, all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So what happened? They were together, living out the faith once for all delivered to the saints, lifting one another up, stirring one another up toward love and good works, encouraging one another challenging one another, but helping each other take their next steps of faith. And can I tell you, 2,000 years later, it hasn't changed. Even though we have phones and we have devices where you can listen to the best preachers in the world for free by YouTube, even though we have phones and we have devices where you can listen to the best musical presentations in the world for free by way of YouTube, or any other of thousands of search engines, there's still something about being together, about being in community, about helping one another trust and follow Jesus, taking our next steps and knowing we don't walk this road alone. Now, faith is not something that is private, deeply personal, but it's meant to be lived out within the context of the community of Christ. I want to invite you to open with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 32 through 37. If you're in the Red Pew Bible in front of you, that is page 912. But I want to give you this theme today. My faith will grow as I cultivate Christian community day by day. My faith will grow as I cultivate Christian community day by day. Once again, we're going to look ahead by looking back. We're going to look back at the early church. What did they do? How did they live out their faith? How did they practice their faith day by day by day by day? Well, Luke, the physician, is going to tell us as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit. And Luke writes in Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 32, and we're just going to focus on that verse first. 
Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Our first point today is this. Christ followers are united in Christ. Christ followers are united in Christ. Our chief unity as brothers and sisters in Christ is always Christ. When, when somebody gets into the waters of baptism, we're going to see that next week. We've got two beautiful baptisms coming next week. We can have more, incidentally, if God is calling you to that. But we're going to see a father and son do the same thing that most of us in this room have done in professing their faith in Jesus. They are joining the community of Christ by going through the same symbol that God has called us to go through as we trust and follow Jesus. We, we talk about it in communion. You know, there's a reason we wait until the elements are passed out to everybody, and then we partake together. Why? Because we are together, and the Bible even says that when we gather in worship, we're a part of a festal gathering that even includes the saints that have gone before us. How about that? The mystery of faith, that we are united. We are in community not only with one another, but we're in community with those who've come before us. We, we will be in community with those who will come to faith after us. We're together. But that togetherness is rooted and established in Jesus Christ first and foremost. We cling to that hope at funerals. As we gather as the body of Christ to bid farewell for a moment to those who have been called home to glory, what do we do? We lean on each other and we recognize that God has made us a part of a greater community that does not come to an end simply because one member of that community has been called home to glory. No, it continues in richness and depth and joy. And one day after Christ's return, we'll all be together with him forever. And what a day of rejoicing that will be. Unbelievable the hope that we have in Jesus. But it's not just an individual hope, it's an individual hope expressed in the context of Christian community. I'll tell you, a few years ago I went to the other side of the world on a mission trip. I won't tell you where because we're not supposed to go to this place on mission trips. But we went, and I was nervous. I was nervous as I was meeting people from literally all over the globe, and I didn't know who I was meeting. I didn't know what their motives were. I didn't know anything about them, and yet there I was thrust into a situation where I was with them. And there was one gentleman in particular. And he made me nervous. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not going to tell you anything else about him other than the fact that he made me nervous. I did not know what his intentions were as we were meeting. But then he looked at me, and he said the one English word that he knew Jesus, and he smiled. He was my brother in Christ. He was my brother. Let me tell you something. In the Baptist church especially, we call each other brother. You know, we don't call each other sister much, but we call each other brother. There's a guy that I, every, every morning I go into gym. Brother Jeff, how are you? I'm, I'm good, man. How are you? And we kind of poke fun at each other, brother so-and-so, brother. But let me tell you something. When you're on the other side of the world and you're not real sure what those motives and intentions are and you're not real sure what this person wants, that word brother, sister in Christ means so much more. Lauren Parrish, who has served the Lord on the other side of the world, but also who serves as our minister to children, says this. 
Christian community is a beautiful biblical gift from God. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 tells us to meet together, to stir up one another to love and good works, to encourage one another to be more like Christ. We were created for community, like so many others. I learned the true value of community when I couldn't have it anymore from 2020 to 2021. Praise God. That made me love my community all the more when it was restored. Through the Koinonia group I'm part of and friendships with other precious godly people, the Lord has provided me with love, support, encouragement, and accountability, as well as the opportunity to give love, support, encouragement, and accountability to others. Having a group of believers who will speak truth into your life is a hugely important aspect of growth in the Christian walk. So listen, there's testimony from one of our sisters in Christ who is actively living out her faith here and she's doing it within the context of community. She's gone to the other side of the world where it was even more dangerous for her. She knows what it is to be rooted and established in Jesus and to look for those who are like-minded in their faith and who are truly family in Christ. We have koinonia groups here. That's what we call our small groups. Koinonia is simply the Greek word for fellowship. So koinonia groups, those are small groups. We have Sunday school classes. We have ministry groups. One of our ministry groups uh, wears blue every Sunday. They're right behind me. Huge ministry group here at First Baptist Church. Some of them ring bells with one another and others play instruments and others serve food and others prepare food. There's all sorts of groups here at First Baptist Church. And I gotta tell you, if you're not a part of any group, whether that's a Bible study class, I wanna encourage you to be in a Bible study or a koinonia group or both. That is so vitally important in your development and growth as a follower of Christ or part of a ministry group where you're using your gifts to serve God within the context of the local church. It's so vitally important. But let me tell you what's gonna happen. I know, I know, it sounds like a sales pitch right now. Let me tell you what's gonna happen. Life is going to happen. Life's gonna happen. And when life happens, incidentally, it's pervasive. It happens to everybody. Nobody, no matter what the devil tries to convince you of, nobody has an easy life. So when life happens to you, let me tell you, it's beautiful, that Christian community that truly is a faith family. Because let me tell you what they're gonna do. They're gonna pray for you. And they're gonna come around you. And they're gonna be there with you. And they're gonna be there for you. And they're gonna put up with you sometimes. How many of y'all have learned we've had to put up with some people sometimes? How many of y'all have come this far? Sometimes we have to put up with you. And sometimes you have to put up with me. Do you have any siblings at the house? I'm watching siblings in my house. And I watch how they put up with each other. And I watch how they go at each other. But then I watch how they're there for each other. It's pretty important, isn't it? So I just want to encourage you, be a part of a group. A Bible study, Sunday school group, a koinonia group. We have Bible studies that meet on uh, all days of the week. A koinonia group, we're getting ready to emphasize that even more. But I'm going to tell you, if you're not a part of those things, you're missing out. A part of a ministry group where together you're using your gifts and talents and abilities and resources to serve, be a part of it because God will bless you through it. But our chief unity is in Christ. Well, now let's look at verse 33. 
And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Our second point, Christ followers are united in story. Christ followers are united in story. So what were the apostles doing? They were giving testimony to the resurrection. They had seen the risen Christ. They had seen the empty tomb. One of them had even put his hands in the wounds. They had experienced the resurrection of Jesus. They had watched as Jesus ascended unto glory. And what were they doing? They were telling their story. And it's really the whole story of the Bible that starts with Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. As early as Genesis chapter 3, we see the promise of redemption through the Messiah. As even as God pronounces curses for the fall, he gives a glimpse of hope that the offspring of the woman would come and crush the head of the offspring of the serpent. That's the first messianic prophecy. And all throughout the Old Testament, God's people look forward to God's Messiah coming. Well, then Jesus has come, Jesus who is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He has lived a life without sin. He has died the death we should have died. He has risen from the grave, triumphant over sin, Satan, death, and hell. And he has ascended unto glory. And one day, he will return to gather his church and to judge the world. Peter stood to proclaim this message. The rest of the apostles stood to proclaim this message. And they were together in that meta-narrative. And did you know that if you're in Christ, you're together in that meta-narrative? We share that story. The story of God is your story. The story of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. The story of David and Solomon. The story of Ruth. They're your story. If you're in Christ, you have been united to that grand meta-narrative by which we understand the world. But let me tell you something that's even deeper. Not only were they united by that great story, they were united by their individual stories. They were united by their individual stories as God had called each of them to Jesus and they had responded by trusting and following Jesus. They came to Christ, they had a testimony of faith. You, if you're in Christ, you have a testimony of faith. You have a story and each of us, although different, all come to the common story of Jesus. Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God. He, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. You have a story. And together we share this testimony together in Jesus Christ. We are united in story. Mickey Wiseman said this. I want to share this. She said, I've been a member of First Baptist Church for over 50 years. She was really, really young when she joined, for you mathematicians. The people in this community of believers have been such a tremendous part of my life. I cannot imagine my growth as a Christian community without them, or as a Christian without them. Our children were raised in this church. The impact that Christ has had on our lives through the fellowship that we have with other believers is immeasurable. My Sunday school class, named for Nadine Lovin, who is an amazing missionary and a wonderful example of Christian service, provides an even closer community of believers for me. Class members are in touch with each other continually, sharing prayer requests and concerns and worries and grief, supporting each other and lifting one another up in prayer. We also share praises and accomplishments and great news and celebrations with each other. The Christian community that has been cultivated in this class is a source of strength 
for us all. Amen. Amen. I got to tell you, I'm part of the Nadine Lovin Sunday School class email chain, and they do. They share everything. And it's amazing because they're there to encourage one another, to support one another, to lift one another up, to stir one another toward love and good deeds. But they share this common story. They share the story of Nadine Lovin. Nadine Lovin was a missionary to Ghana, and she served in Africa for years and years and years, and she's with the Lord now. When I first came here, Nadine was still with us, but she wasn't a member of that class because she had, she had graduated from it. She had moved on to the next class. She was a member of the faith class at that point. But they share the story of this woman who gave her life to help others trust and follow Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, she is family to some of the greatest people I know, the Jenkins family who taught me physics and math and history at Warren Central High School. That story, we're all connected together, but we're living our faith together. It's a beautiful thing. Well, now look with me at verses 34 and 35. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Our third point. Christ followers are united in care. Christ followers are united in care. Now, you've already heard testimony to this, but listen, what did they do? This was not some utopian communistic society, as some people would like to turn the Bible into, some sort of manifesto for communism. That's not what this was. Do you know what it was? It was the people of God, together in Christ, within the context of community, making sure that the needs of the community were met. So if I saw that you had a need and I had the means to help meet that need, I would, I would do what I could to help meet that need. And if that meant that I sold something to provide resources for that need to be met, then that's what I would do. Or that's what you would do for me. See, they were together and they, they, they helped one another. They cared for one another. I, I'm telling you, the longer I live, the more I believe in just how vital it is to have a family centered in Christ. Your church family is so much more than just the people you sit with for an hour on Sunday. They're the people you do life with, the people you encourage, the people you support, the people you lift up, the people you stir on toward love and good deeds. United in care. Dr. Larry Elliott said this in Matthew chapter 12, verses 48 through 50, Jesus stated that whoever does the will of his Father in heaven is my brother, my sister, my mother. A church community provides emotional, spiritual, and practical support. Dr. Elliott said, my wife and I have always been surrounded by Christian believers wherever we've lived. Our three daughters were taught in church and school by many believers who helped them develop into strong believers. During the tornado on December 11th, 2022, members in today's service, catch that, it was some of you, members in today's service cut and carried heavy logs and raked our tattered yard. Our family of believers means much to us. They have shared with us the love and care of God. Our family has grown spiritually in our walk with Jesus because of believers like First Baptist Church. God blesses us, our church in Bowling Green, in ways we could never have imagined. And beautiful? United in care. We see a need. 
Jesus said the world would know us by the way we loved one another. He wasn't talking about the whole world. He was talking about believers within the context of Christian community, that the world would know we belong to Jesus by the way that we loved one another. And if you're deeply rooted and established in Christian community, you're going to be a beneficiary of that love, but you're also called to be a giver of that love. And in Acts chapter 4, we're going to get to meet somebody whose name we know but we don't call him by his name. We call him by his nickname. Look with me at verses 36 and 37, Acts chapter 4. Thus, Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Our fourth and final point today is this. Christ followers express their unity in tangible ways. Christ followers express their unity in tangible ways. You know what I love about Barnabas? Barnabas wasn't even his name. He was Joe. But Joe was such a giving man, such an encouraging man, that they gave him a nickname, Barney. Wouldn't that be a great nickname to have? Barnabas. Why do you call me Barnabas? Because I'm always encouraged when I'm around you. Why do you call me Barnabas? Because you're always making my life better when you're around. Why do you call me Barnabas? Because you are always on the give. And one of the things that's very important to me, to Pastor David, to our leadership at church, is that First Baptist Church would be known in the community as a church that is on the give. So many people think about churches and they all oh, they just want your money. No, listen, God wants your soul. And he wants everything else that comes along with all of who you are. Does that include your money? Yes, it does. But that's on down the line. God is a generous, giving God. And his people ought to be generous givers. What sort of legacy would you like to have? A legacy of being known because you were such an encouraging giver? Or a legacy of being known for being such a discouraging taker? Only you can decide. <laughs> Through this Christian community, we help each other and we give to each other in so many ways. It's not just meeting financial needs or, or, or physical needs. It's meeting emotional needs. It's, it's meeting community needs. Bryson Ritchie, who makes our organ sing so beautifully, said this, just like a family, we provide support and connection to one another. We celebrate significant milestones in our lives and we are there for each other in the bad times as well. It is a blessing to do life with like-minded individuals, to encourage and uplift each other, to grow in our faith together in Bible studies, and to serve with one another through ministry opportunities. Life is hard enough to do on your own. You need brothers and sisters in Christ who will uplift you and will pray for you, and they need you to do the same. My church family at FBC means the world to me. This body of Christ, this collection of people, they are my family. And that's what it's designed to be. So I want to encourage you. If you're not connected here, get connected. You can email us at connect at firstbaptistbg.org, and we'll tell you exactly how to take your next steps. We'll get you connected to a Sunday school class or to a Bible study class or to a koinonia group. We'll get you connected with a ministry group. There are ways that you can use what God has given you to serve. 
there's something so rich and so meaningful that happens. When you take the next step, you come to Christ by yourself. We all have to come to Christ individually. But then we engage with his community, rooted and established in Jesus, brothers and sisters in Christ, not just for now, but forevermore. We care for each other. We love each other. We seek to ensure that one another's needs are met. And we seek to lift one another up, to encourage each other, to stir one another up toward loving good deeds. We can help you do that. You know, that's why every Sunday morning I say we want to connect with you because you matter to God and you matter to us. And within the context of this community, we're all here to help each other take our next step of trusting and following Jesus. We can't do that if we're not connected. So we get connected and we walk together this road of faith, looking to the amazing grace that will lead us home. Incidentally, heaven is not an individual experience where we'll all be together with the Lord forever. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.